Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com So, Roman, welcome back to the Storybox podcast. Thank you. How have you been? Really good. Actually quite eager to come back and do a follow-up with you. Pleasure having you back, man. And the reason why we decided to actually come back was because we wanted to do something special. We wanted to say a big thank you to all the people that actually supported your Mm. episode. Can you talk a little bit about the feedback that you received from your episode? It was really overwhelming, the responses that I got. I had not expected people to message me and say, hey, listen to your podcast and I was, you know, I got a lot of insight about the brand and about the company and about you and just want to let you know, like I really enjoyed it. So that was really, yeah, really like humbling. Yeah, it was a like an overwhelming experience for me as mm. well because, I mean, we've reached over 400 people listening mm-hmm. in yep. for something that I was actually not even thinking that I was going to hit. 400 mm-hmm. people yeah but it did mm. and the response on my behalf as well was one of uh, jay like it's it's incredible we appreciate his honesty mm-hmm. we appreciate his story as well where he came from so all those things i feel like they're they basically hit the mantra of yep. what i wanted to do with the story box so yeah thank you so much man yep. for that like we were saying before we just got together and we do this off the cuff and it's, there's no script and there's no pre-questions that you send me. I, I don't know what you're going to ask but um, I come in with the mentality that even if I can help one person who's listening and, you know, they can learn from my mistakes or decisions, then I'm grateful to help that one person. Mm-hmm. If 400 people are changed, that's even better. But even if it just hits that one person when they're driving or they're, before they go to bed and they're listening and they're like, you know what, I'm going to change this about that tomorrow. Yeah, one person is absolutely incredible yeah. as well regardless, yeah. like like you said. Yeah. Um, I may never know, like I was saying before, yeah. I may never know who has helped mm-hmm. but even the people that actually reach out and tell me, hey, Jay, thank you for actually bringing these people on to share the stories, like that means something. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to do as well is the reason why we came back yep. is I want to do an educational part and ask you a little bit more about how you run Son of a Baker. Like day-to-day uh, stuff. Like day-to-day things, yep. um, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, so yeah, what, it, yeah. what does it actually take to run a bakery or a cafe? Uh, the first thing it takes is I think it takes good leadership. So I try to set the example by I'm very OCD. <laughs> 
if you interview my staff, they'll know exactly what I mean. Um, I'm quite particular on small details and the bigger things, but I try to lead by example. So I think overall it's really important to have people who see your vision and employ them uh, and you know, nearly every interview that I do when someone comes on board, I ask them where do they want to be and how can I help you to get to there? Um, it just gives me an understanding of I know they're not going to be with me forever, so I want to help them get to where they want to get to. But while you're in the company and while you're working with me and for Son of a Baker, I would like you to have that same mentality. How can I help you to get to where you want to be and how can they help my vision and I'll do the same for them. Because staff is very important yep. for any company to for sure. make it successful. Mm. So what do you look for in a valuable employee? I guess the, you know, the cliche things that, you know, like honesty, hardworking. Um, I think what is missed sometimes is how do you keep your staff motivated? Yep. Um, so somebody that can be motivated not by money but by vision so I look for somebody who has a bit more depth into what they're doing. If you're just going to retail my pastries and you don't understand what you're doing um, or you're not really into it, it's kind of an indicator for me. I would rather just wait till somebody comes along that says, hey, I've been following the page or I'm really interested in what you're doing. Is there any job opportunities with you? That's kind of a, a green light for me. Do you get that a lot coming through? Yeah, I do through friends, mainly hire uh, people. They'll say, oh, my friend is been here and, you know, are you hiring? Or people want to leave their current workspace for a better workspace yep. is generally the, sorry. It's all good. I didn't hit flight man. mode this time. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, generally hire through word of mouth. Okay. Yeah. Do you find that is... Have you done like through Seek or anything like that? We've tried, but it doesn't necessarily work the best for me personally. Mm -hmm. I have 34 employees currently and it's not easy to constantly get new people. So how do you, for those 34 people, how do you yeah. keep those 34 people motivated to stay with Son of a Baker for as long as they can? Um, I try to be as good as I can to them. In the beginning, um, I was probably too friendly with staff and too much on, you know, the the friend side of things. And there's a very fine balance between being your boss and being your friend. It's a hard line to kind of draw because if you're too nice, they can take advantage. If you're too hard, they can rebel. Um, so it's a really fine in-between balance. So, so how do you find that? balance because it's a very difficult thing yeah, to actually is. find it is because you want to be their friend yeah you also want to be their boss yep, at the yep, same yep. time well one thing i was doing when we in the first year of son of a baker we would go out every weekend as staff and boss and um it didn't really make a i think you know there was benefits to it but there was also when work needed to be done and if i put my foot down they don't take me as seriously because mm they think I'm their friend. So I have to kind of sometimes set an example. Um, so the harsher side of me is set examples where I've had to fire people or I've had to let go of um, friendships in order to keep the working relationship. So I've had yep. to back off 
um, set ground rules for myself, like, you know, no hanging out after work or uh, really like try to discipline but in a nice way. Yeah. Yeah. So has that been a uh, – it's obviously been a massive learning curve for you. Um, mm. So what's one thing that you can pinpoint the most in your business that is like the single most important thing? For staff? For staff or, members, for – it could be staff members. Yeah. It could be revenue. It could yeah. be – yeah hiring right management yeah uh, so i think the number one thing is that it's very underrated is your influence so sometimes you focus on sales or you focus on product or you focus on uh you know profit and loss and things like that and you know but i think your influence on people on relationships i always have said people do business with people so if someone wants to come to your cafe or come to your kiosk or come to your HQ or whatever, as much as, uh, you know, they come for the product, they also come for the experience. Mm -hmm. So I think the way you influence people, it should be in a positive and a, in a good environment. So I think it's important for my staff, for my customers, for everybody to feel it's not just a pastry, it's an experience. Mm. So, yeah, just having good influence. And how can I be of good influence to them? That's good, man. And hey, we sort of sort of mentioned it a little bit earlier, profit and loss mm -hmm. for business. Mm. So when you first started Son of a Baker, yep. were you in a profit margin or were you in a uh, not? Yeah. Transparently speaking, we genuinely thought we were in a huge profit margin. Uh, yep. Because I didn't understand GST. <laughs> <laughs> so... So explain, <laughs> help help people to understand yeah, like for so, a cafe GST yeah, and how so that impacts you. Thanks to John Howard in yep. 2007 or no, actually Kevin Rudd was in 2007. It would have been in like 2001 um, or so GST was introduced. And because I never had run a business, I always thought GST was something that you pay on a product, right? 10% you pay on it. Um, but I thought it cancels out if, you know, Let's say um, you have $1,000 worth of sales and yep. $1,000 worth of wages. I just thought that cancels each other out. I didn't really understand that no matter what happens, of every sale you have to pay GST. Unless you sell bread or milk on its own, every other product in a cafe is not GST exempt. Wow. So if you make 10 grand for the day, let's just say, you need to set aside a thousand dollars of that ten grand. Of that ten grand, that's that's your GST. There's so, ways you can offset it by buying items with GST. So if I let's say I bought a fridge yep. and the fridge was ten grand, and I paid a thousand dollars GST, they cancel each other out. Okay. But things like um, my petrol or anything that I try to offset is. In, offsetting income tax it's not offsetting my gst so back to your question in the beginning i think the first year we turned over between the three stores was close to two million dollars right and it was you know a lot of turnover and yep. there was a lot of wages and a lot of rent and a lot of expenditures going up but there was a lot of money left too and so um did I set aside 200 grand for a tax bill? No. Did I get a 200 grand tax bill? Yes. Ouch. So my accountant, he listened to the last 
podcast, he said, hey, man, great message. Yeah. So <laughs> to, I won't mention his name, but yeah. No, he's a great accountant, but that's just the way it is. You, you need to allow for certain things. And so in the beginning, yeah, made a lot more money than I thought. And now I'm trying to basically crystallize debts that I have accumulated. Yeah. So what do you do? Like what's going through your mind when you see that figure mm. of $2 million sitting, yeah. so just sitting there and then all of a sudden you get a $200,000 yeah. tax bill? Yeah. Well, that $2 million is turnover. It's not like it's in my bank. Mm. It's That's gone. So I still have the, the you know, the GST to pay on that. And um, there's obviously your mind says, how can I get out of this? That's That was like my first, yep. <laughs> my first thing. And um, you know, you do a whole circle and you come back and you're like, you know, in order for me to move forward and uh, continue, I can go on a payment plan. I can, there's options for me. Um, so yeah, profit and loss for me, we've never really had a bad week which is good um but the thing that a lot of people don't realize is they think you open a cafe and and you're busy and this guy's killing it it's really not the situation mm. situation is we have a lot of like staffing costs we have you know a lot of cost of goods you have your rent you have a lot of things that need to come out of that um bankroll so if you want to look at getting into a cafe, you really need to do your numbers. And I'm not a numbers guy and I'm only learning as I'm going. So it's the reason why we see so many cafes pop up and then shut down. And it's yeah. becoming saturated with cafes because, yeah, you can put food on a plate, but do you know how to actually operate a business? Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'm I'm – Still learning, but I have learned a lot. So what's the, like, when you have the idea for a cafe, mm -hmm. where do you begin from there? Like, where do you take it? Like, what do you need to do? Yeah. That sort of thing. First thing is you don't want to be behind the eight ball on your payments. So whether that's to the tax man, to your suppliers, to anyone that's involved, the first thing you want to do is make sure you have a good system for expenditure reports. So money coming in and money going out. Yep. And it's very important to have somebody that can help you through that. I think uh, even like pay as you go, I didn't start doing pay as you go till eight months into the business. So I had already, that, that was a whole nother bill. That was like right now it's like 125000 that I for that and yep. I will pay it it's just like it's gonna take time and hard work and whatever but uh do you set yourself goals to have that all paid off or uh it's hard to say because it, sometimes it really does feel like the harder you work the more you need to you the more you get in debt it's weird mm. you know I don't know if you find this but sometimes the more you work the more bills you have yeah. Sometimes, now that you, you mention know. mention it, yeah, 100%. <laughs> just, yeah, it just seems so I don't have a particular plan. I just need to each week chip away at things. I have a really good operations manager and he helps me basically say, look, this is what came in. Yep. This is what we need to allocate here and there and there. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny because my account after the weekend or whatever will be so full and then 
I'm like, we did all right. And then yeah. I'll see it the next day. I'm like, wait, where did all the money go? <laughs> so I try not to think about it too much because it can get a bit, why am I doing this for and whatever. But uh, it's it's just part of business. So is that sort of like when you see all the bills and that, does mm. it sort of bring you down in your energy or, or it emotion? Ha- I've had or? days where it does. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. But I was thinking about this this morning actually just off – like top oh it's still on the topic i was just um on the treadmill and i was just running and and i thought the reason why i i i think i'm somebody that you would always bet on is because whether i have it all or lose it all i don't really it doesn't matter Mm. i don't really like if some if somebody took away everything that i had besides my family and things like that i mean like i'm talking numbers and financially it it's it's not the biggest deal to me so money and things that are possessions that can be replaced i feel like i will always recover i'll still have food on the table i know how to make food so i'll be (laughs) fine um but yeah when it comes down to like bills and things like that i try not to let it take too much of my energy yeah that's good man Mm. i find that you're at a level of contentment. Yeah. Like you're yeah. You, it's important a, to have a base without yeah. saying I'll be happy if I get this figure because once you get that figure or you don't get that figure, if your happiness is based on that, then you're constantly going to be going through life with figures and sums and yeah. I won't go into it but like with Kobe Bryant, you know. Yeah. It was so sad to see him pass away, even though obviously we didn't know him. I listened to his, a lot of his podcasts and I used to follow him as a person, not so much a basketball follower, but his net worth is 500 million. I, I, you know, I can almost guarantee no one here listening or even all of our net worth put together is remotely close to that. And it's so sad that his life passed, but like the money is what's... It's still there. It's just in perspective, like... Yeah. You need to make sure that you're doing what you love and and if you're not, then just pivot and make a change. Because at the end of the day, when when you go, mm-hmm. what's left? Yeah. Or when the money's gone, yeah. what's left? Yeah. Have you created for yourself mm. a a life that's, you know, one of joy, one of contentment, yeah. one of peace, yeah. one of actual happiness? Yeah. Or yeah. is it something that you've just worked your absolute butt off mm-hmm. and all you've, all you've strived for is the, the almighty dollar. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Where are, where's your, I'm looking for a specific word, like mm. where's your um, your value, mm-hmm. where's it lie? Yeah. That, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think like for Kobe as well, he he had everything mm. he could ever want mm-hmm. and then in a blink of, a, blink of yeah. an eye, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. And I think he was a man of value. He yeah. brought a lot of other things than basketball. Um, 100%. Yeah, but it's just reflecting on yourself. Like if you're, if I'm doing Son of a Baker just for the money and nothing else, then I don't think I'd be in business. Yeah. Because I would have thrown in the towel a long time ago, believe me. I think a lot of people would have thrown in the towel as well, especially yeah. like being in business. Yeah. It's not an easy game mm. uh, if you do want to get into business you got to be in it for the long haul yep even for something like this like the podcast mm-hmm. 
it's yeah. commitment. It's going to take time. Like if despite – because you're going to have your bad days. Mm-hmm. Everyone has them. Like trying to get over those bad days is what makes the person or your attitude during the bad times is what makes a person. Yep. Um, so, okay, moving, moving forward, I did mm-hmm. have – one comment I wanted to yeah, share course. before I forget. Yep, yep. A lot of people said that you look like Drake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I, I, th- I thought that was a bit funny. So I thought yeah. I'd say that to you before <laughs> I forget it. So, yeah. Um, but um, now, in terms of what was I going to say next? In terms of um, like. But wait, do you think I look like Drake? Yeah. Oh, like, all right. Cool. 100%. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, a lot of, yeah, like I had about. Four people comment on my. <laughs> no, I'm only playing. You can, you can go. You sh- you're sure yeah. not related to him? No. no. <laughs> um, trying to remember what I was going to ask. That's the thing. I threw you off. A little bit, yeah. But I had to say it before I forgot. Yeah. I have gotten it for quite a few years. It does come up. I think it's just the resemblance and the kind of the same outline. My, my face has the same outline as his. It got me a lot of street cred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Joe, you met you met Drake. Um, w- one day I might meet him. We'll see. See where the podcast goes. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that brought it into perspective. So how do you learn? Yeah. Because uh, I know you like learning and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you learn how to manage the finances? Is it you that manages it, or is it your accountant? Or yeah, I think in any business, unless you're a one man show and you want to take all the credit and you actually do everything, I think nobody does everything. Um, So although I facilitate a lot of work for people and I facilitate a lot of decisions and it's my final say and things like that, I do have a really good team. I have a good accountant. I have a good operations manager. I have um, good friends that I can, you know, I I literally have all my close friends – all run their own businesses. Wow. Every single one. There's like three or four of them. Um, but, you know, they always say that you're a byproduct of the five people that you hang around. You're the close, like. That's true. So, you are who you hang around. Yeah, yeah. So I do have a really good influence around me. As far as the financials, um, myself and the operations manager, he, he uh, puts everything on a spreadsheet for me and he'll basically yeah just help me to guide what's going to be paid first and things like that so we've come a long way with that yeah that's good now i guess we touched on this in the last podcast Mm -hmm. a little bit about what's next yeah yeah yeah. about looking for the right location i think we spoke so i have an update yeah yeah please share because it was not even really on the cards so again coming back to like that full circle Originally, I started in my dad's bakery when I was eight years old and I would go in with my dad and then I worked there when I finished school at 15 and again, I came back. So in May, I'm looking at, well, I'm going to basically take over my dad's bakery. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Is it going to be another son of a baker or is it going to be still under your dad's name? It's a good question. Right now, I'm more focused on the flow of operation and scaling my production and being able to distribute from there whilst having a retail space and the name will be decided last okay yeah that's good yeah so why why is would the name be decided last 
It's a good question. It's more if I want to take on my dad's legacy for Alexander's Bakery and I don't really want to take that away from him. He's had that for 22 years and I don't want to just one day switch it to son of a baker. Although I love the name and, you know, that's my kind of branding. But it's just, yeah, I'll kind of do what my dad would rather. Alexander and Sons. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, do a, a remix of it. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. So I guess my question would be taking over someone else's legacy in bakery, how yeah. does that make you feel? Well, especially because it's my dad. I think anyone that's close to me knows how much I adore my dad. Just he really sacrificed everything for us. And from when we were kids, I still remember little moments where I'm like, he's just so selfless when it comes to us. So the move for me to go in there is more for him to be able to have a, a better lifestyle. Yeah. So um, that's my motivation. I want to provide him a better lifestyle because we always say, you know, if I had the money, I'd buy my parents a house or if I had the money, I'd do this for them. But you'd rather do a small deed than have the grandest intentions and do nothing. So I would rather just say, look, I'll come in, I'll, I've been working with architects and I've been working behind the scenes without telling him so I can actually present to him something instead of just all talk. So in a couple of weeks, I'll tell him this is what we're doing. He's going overseas for like 40 days and I'm going to renovate the entire place. And so when he comes back, As he has surprise. no choice to like it. <laughs> Does he listen to this? No, he doesn't know. Oh, okay. Don't call him over. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Like. Yeah, he has no idea. But it's, you know, I know it's time and he's told my siblings certain things that uh, he's ready for it. And yeah, it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Does that put sort of pressure on your shoulders at all? A little bit. Yeah, it does. Because it's another location, more staff, more overheads. But if I don't do it, I'd regret it yeah. if something happened to my dad and I never really tried. So you'd rather give it a shot than not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And nothing's going to change with him. Mm. He, to, you know, old school wogs, to get them to unlearn the way they've been doing something for 20 something years, you have no chance. They, yeah. they cannot unlearn the way they've been doing things. If you give them ideas of a new system or whatever, they won't be on board. If you do it for them and show them and then implement it, you have more of a chance. So I have to actually go in and do this. Do you this. think that the saying sometimes is old school is better than new school? Do yeah, think? I think there's still elements that kick new school's butt for sure. Um, whenever, you know, Wi-Fi is down or <laughs> <laughs> internet doesn't work, you're like, why didn't I just get an old school cash register, you yeah. know, or – Music, everything's off Wi-Fi or Bluetooth when they just have the radio. and So, yeah, there's definitely parts that old school cash, cash yeah. is king. Oh, Everyone, yeah. like my dad's business is just cash. Everyone taps and goes now with mine and it's like 90% through the account. And, you know, so there's, there's no afterpay with your business, no. is there? Okay, good. No, 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 not yet. <laughs> Which is yeah. to do with social media. Because you've got over, I think, 20,000-something yep. people following you now. Mm -hmm. So how did that all generate? 
Uh, so rewinding back to like two years ago, yep. I think the first 50 or 100 followers will be your friends and family. You know, you share it to their page and follow and and then after that you're on your own. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to really work hard to reach people and you've got to, uh, yeah, you've really got to work like it's uh, something that is part of your branding, part of your your business. So how do you go about making like the style, mm -hmm. making it attractive to people yep. so they actually follow you? Yeah. I think the most underrated thing is it needs to be easy on the eye. I think when you – that's why they say to keep it themed or vibrant colors or, you know, it has to be something that is easy on the eye If and, and even the captions. If the captions are too long or – the photo's got too much happening. People go scrolling to have an escape from say their day or whatever. They don't want to yeah. have to think too much. So I think it has to be easy on the eye. How did you learn all this stuff? Oh, uh, just I've come a long way with uh, the way I articulate what I post and uh, my stories and my captions and things like that. I've learned a lot along the way. I had a social media manager um, who got me from zero to 14,000 followers. And then I changed to another social media guy from 14 to 20. And then I do most of it now. Okay. So I learned a lot what works, what doesn't, hashtagging and You're gonna have to tell me. things like <laughs> that. Yeah, it's, it's something that say five years ago, oh, I wasn't on Instagram five years ago, but I felt like um, there was a lot less algorithms and a lot less of work that you needed to put in to get followers i think the retention for followers is a lot harder now people will unfollow quickly yep they might be following you for a long time if they don't like a post they'll be like i'm over it unfollow um so i think uh engaging with people with new things constantly is so important because if they see the same thing over and over they're gonna get bored yeah do you find that you get a lot of fake accounts following no, no they're really like our, all of our followers are, are genuine accounts wow. very engaging the numbers are really good uh probably get a lot of fake accounts on my personal one yeah but not on son of a baker so how do, how does that differentiate like how does that work between like son of a baker and yeah, your own yeah. personal account like with the fake accounts oh fake accounts i don't find i, I was just joking but like i don't find <laughs> them actually that um active in my yeah. in my accounts uh i think that with the page itself um if you look at the demographic it's like 80 percent women following and 20 percent men um so in that sense it's always good to target what women like to see and what they like to eat because they're the ones that will say hey babe Yep. We're going here. Can you take me here? <laughs> so, or can you buy me this? Or, you know, so like they're the ones that will generate the comments or shares so they can come down and have their boyfriends or husbands with them. That's good. And do you find that having like social media influencers come on and promote? Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. I think in the beginning, um, we did a lot of food influencers, but something that, and I, share this often with operators i think what is very underrated is having lifestyle influences i think 
you know, all credit to the food bloggers and, and the people who come and do food, but, you know, they're quite biased on cafes because cafes will have them in, you feed them, and then in exchange for some social media love. And it's, you know, a lot of flat lay photos and yeah, there's only so much you can do. But whereas lifestyle influencers who's uh, somebody that comes in and, want, you know, can influence, oh, she was there or he was there. And that's like a lifestyle trend. They trend for you. So I find I target more lifestyle influencers now rather than food. Do you find that the social media aspect has generated a lot more business? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd ha like, not that I hate to admit it, but like I'll, where I am, it's very destinational and I have to drive people there. So social media for me is a, a very big part of my foot traffic because they come from all over. They'll come from Manly, they'll come from, uh, you know. I come from the West. Yeah, so <laughs> the West is the best. They, yeah. they come down and uh, yeah, so you really have to target outside your area while you're servicing locals. That's good, man. Appreciate yeah. that insight. Um, so I guess finishing up, mm -hmm. what was something else I wanted to ask you? Was there anything that you wanted to add? Not really. Just thanks for everyone to listening. Yeah. I think it's something that I really enjoy doing. And if we can do a mini series out of it or a special episode every now and then. Uh, I like the mini series idea. Mm. I think it'd be good. Like, yeah. Just have one talking about this thing, going yep. through it. You can even bring other people on as well, do like a round table sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can um, bounce off each other and yeah. Yeah. Lot, lots of uh, wisdom. We're actually sitting around a round table at yep. the moment. So that's yep. where I got it. Empty seats. Like, why not bring, yep. bring people in the seats yep. and like brand ambassadors as well? Like, mm -hmm. why they promote certain brands yep. to begin with? Um, yep. Yeah, I think that'd be. A tremendous idea mm -hmm. as well but thank you so much roman for coming on once again and sharing some more insight yep you've answered some of my questions as well mm -hmm. and um hopefully we can get you on again before we go i have a little gift for you oh this is for you what it's is just, it okay i'll open it it's just from the oh <laughs> pastries yes <laughs> I, I smashed the one in the car <laughs> the kit kat like, one the kit kat yeah. cronut you'll That's see a photo of it later Oh, thanks, man. Really do appreciate it. They're going to love it. Okay. See you soon. Thanks, thanks so much for coming. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.